all. Um, Before this episode gets started, I just kind of wanted to go over a couple things uh, regarding this episode. Now, this episode is talking about um, child murder and mental illness um, and, uh, you know, a, a lot of difficult things. And I don't think I was very clear in the episode that I had already recorded that I do feel sympathy towards Andrea Yates and I can feel sympathetic towards her while still denouncing what she did and recognizing what she did as wrong and bad and an awful awful act um Killing any child is horrific. Killing anybody is not okay. Murder is not okay. Um, But I do think that in this case, it is complicated because of her mental illness, um, especially such an extreme mental illness like postpartum psychosis. And I think that I missed talking a little bit about that because uh while I was editing I did feel like um I I did I could come off as not caring about the five dead children that came from this case and uh that's just not true I do care um it is very sad and I wish that there would have been more information on the children so I could have talked about them and their personalities but honestly there just isn't a lot of information available online about the kids themselves it's all about Andrea and Rusty and so I really wanted to clarify that that it wasn't that I didn't want to talk about the kids it's that there just wasn't as much information because they were so young um But I'm not going to sit here and deny that I do feel sympathy for Andrea Yates. Uh, I, because there is, I can feel sympathy for people. Um, While, again, denouncing what they did, I can feel two different types of feelings. I'm not, um, I'm not required to just feel one and and not the other. So I I really just wanted to put that out there before anybody listens to this and uh, says like, oh my God, she just thinks that, (laughs) that Andrea was this poor soul and she, you know, it's not just, it's not that. It's just that I can understand mental illness and I can sympathize with people who have it. And I, while still understanding that sometimes their actions are bad and wrong. And I do think Andrea Yates deserves to be sitting in the state mental facility that she's in. Um, because what she did was bad. What she did was wrong. So I just wanted to throw that out there. I just wanted to give you guys a heads up. Like, this is my second episode, and I'm trying to, like, work out the kinks. And um, so there are, you know, maybe some things that I'll think of after after I record um, that I wish I would have said during the recording. But I didn't want to re-record the episode. I mean, I did at first. I really thought about it, but I decided against it because... um, because I don't 
because I don't necessarily feel bad for how I feel. I just wanted to clarify that, you know, in case you guys were thinking, in case you guys were thinking I just didn't care about, you know, what she did, I wanted to make sure you guys understood that I do. So uh, I'm going to stop rambling. I hope you enjoy this episode and thank you. Hey guys, welcome back to Murderous Crochet. This is Raven, and today I am covering the case of um, Andrea Yates. Uh, before we get started, um, I just want to remind you guys that you can subscribe to my podcast, follow me on my social media. I have a Instagram that I just started, and it's at Murderous Crochet Pod. And you can follow me there. You can also email me at murderouscrochet11 at com with any case suggestions that you may have. I am using a new microphone right now. Um, well, it's not new. I've actually had it for a long time, but hopefully it's working. Um, I'm hoping my sound quality is better than my first episode. So before we get started, I am going to tell you guys what I have been working on. So currently I am working on a rag, which is not very exciting, but um, I do love doing like dish rags and um, like towels, like hand towels and stuff. I love crocheting them. I don't know why, but they're, it's very relaxing for me. So I'm working on one for my husband right now um, in some of his favorite colors. So that is what I'm working on. I'm using sugar and cream, um, yarn, which is a hundred percent cotton and I'm using a 4.5 millimeter hook. So that is what I am working on currently. And that is it. So let's just jump right into the case. So if you hear clicking or my cat, sorry about that. So Andrea Yates was born Andrea Pia Kennedy to parents Judah and Andrew Kennedy on July 2nd, 1964 in Hallsville, Texas. That's about three hours from Louisiana, so it's over towards that side of Texas. Andrea was the youngest of five children. She had some brothers and a sister, I believe. Growing up, Andrea was very family oriented. She had a large caring heart. Um, everybody says that Andrea was always there for people when they needed her and she deeply cared for others. Her personality was somewhat of a perfectionist. She didn't like people seeing her um, fail and she did experience some depression and from what I have read she suffered from bulimia in high school. In 1982, she graduated from Milby High in Houston, Texas, where she was captain of the swim team, class valedictorian, and she was in the National Honor Society. The National Honor Society, or the NHS, NHS is basically an organization that high schools have to promote leadership skills, and services, and scholarships. I had never heard of it before, so I had to actually look it up. Um... After high school, Andrea enrolled in a pre-nursing program at the University of Houston, 
and ended up more finishing uh, the two-year program. She graduated from the University of Texas School of Nursing in 1986, and she worked as an RN at the University of Texas MD Anderson Cancer Center from 1986 to 1994. At 25, Andrea was living alone in an apartment complex in Houston. Friends said that she never really dated um, until she was basically out of college and she didn't really show any desire for relationships. That was until she met Russell or Rusty Yates. Rusty was living in the same complex as Andrea. Rusty was born Russell Yates on September 6, 1964 in Tennessee. So he was the same age as Andrea. Rusty was 25 also when he met Andrea. Like I said, they were the same age. Um, and it was said when he saw her, she was floating in the apartment swimming pool and he just thought she was the most beautiful woman he had ever seen. Um, within a few months, Rusty and Andrea were dating and after three years, they were married on April 17th, 1993. And even though they were married, Andrea still had reservations about sex. Rusty has said that Andrea would sometimes change in the closet so he wouldn't see and that she just didn't have much interest in sex in general. But with that said, Andrea did state to her friends and family that they would have as many children as God would allow. Rusty and Andrea were deeply religious um, Christians. Rusty was working as an engineer for NASA at the Johnson Space Center when Andrea found out she was pregnant with their first son. Noah Yates was born February 26, 1994. Andrea had quit her job um, as, an, as a nurse to stay home and maintain a quote-unquote traditional family. Um, they were very much about the traditional family life uh, where Rusty worked and brought home all the money, the breadwinner, and Andrea would stay home with the children and do quote-unquote womanly duties. Um, Rusty ended up accepting a job in Seminole, Florida after Noah was born and the family of three located there and lived in a small trailer. Defense psychiatrists will later say that after Noah was born, Andrea began to experience disturbing delusions such as bloody knives and the thoughts of stabbing people and even claimed that Satan spoke to her. This was the beginning signs of the postpartum psychosis. Now, postpartum psychosis is like a, an extreme version of postpartum depression, which many women experience. It's not unusual at all. Postpartum psychosis is more rare than postpartum depression. Studies show that it affects about one or two women out of every thousand who give birth. Um, some doctors think even more women than that are affected but go undiagnosed and without proper treatment some of those women end up dying. In December of 1995 on the 15th John Samuel Yates was born to Rusty and Andrea making him the second born. At this point the family of four are still living in Florida in a small trailer. In 1997, on September 13th, Paul Yates was born, making the family of four now a family of five. 
That same year, the family moved back to Houston and still lived in their small trailer. In the next year, Rusty purchased a 350-square-foot bus and moved the whole family in it as their home. That was three kids and two adults living in this bus, and Andrea was still having mental health issues at this point. The Yates had made the choice to homeschool their kids, which drove Andrea into more isolation, which was obviously not good for her mental health. I think it's important to talk about the things said about Rusty during this time. A lot of what I've read says that he was not a very helpful husband. He wanted to have all the babies, but not help out with them. There is reports that he never even changed a diaper. He would leave for work and Andrea would be left on a fucking bus with three kids at this time, more later, isolated. And because of the religious beliefs and the company that they kept, which we'll talk about very soon, they've had, they had skewed very views on a woman's role in the world. He largely ignored her pleas for help and would brush off family concerns that Andrea had too much on her plate, stating that this was her job. She did all the cooking, cleaning, schooling, nursing the newborns, changing and washing cloth diapers. She also cared for her elderly father who had Alzheimer's at the time. We're going to talk about Michael Warnecki. Warnecki was basically a street preacher who worked alongside his wife and kids, traveling the country, preaching like fire and brimstone kind of shit. Rusty was a follower of him since college, and he was the one who introduced Andrea to his teachings. Warnecki was a fundamentalist Christian who had some really messed up views on the role of women. Some of them were that he claimed that they women are naturally evil witches since they came from Eve. He did not believe that they should be educated or work outside of the home, use any form of birth control, and they need to submit themselves to their husband in every way possible. He had a spare the rod, spoil the child look outlook on parenting. Kids should be seen but not heard. And if there was any tomfoolery, they should be beaten. On top of all that, if the mother did not beat their children, then the mothers were sentencing their kids to hell for eternity. He was a real piece of shit. Or he is a real piece of shit. The families were pretty close and spent a lot of time together. So you can imagine Warnecki had great influence on this family, on the Yates. And I would say specifically Andrea, considering her already mental illness um i believe that she was easily manipulated into believing these really messed up things when the yates lived in florida they kept in contact with the warneckies through newsletters and videos um they would often tell andrea that she was evil and that god knew how wicked she really was Andrea was bombarded with hateful and mean emails from these sick people constantly. And she trusted these people and she believed that Michael was the mouthpiece for God. And I can't imagine how difficult this would have been for Andrea to deal with. They would tell Andrea that her kids were disrespectful and not what God wanted in children. They would tell her that if she would not whip these kids, she was damning them to hell. Moving along, on February 15th, 1999, Luke Yates was born, and he was the last son of the Yates family. 
1999 was when her mental stability began to really spiral out of control and she was still just as isolated as before and now with a newborn to tend to without much help from Rusty. Having four kids within six years just seems super tough to me. I mean, I have three kids and um, my oldest is 11, my middle is five, and my youngest is, is three. And I mean, the five, my five-year-old and three-year-old is just super close in age and it's tough. It's tough. I can't even imagine having, having four of them. <laughs> I just can't. And that's even if you're mentally stable, I, it's a lot of responsibility and a lot of sacrifice. Um, and then to just not have much help. I just, I don't know, just too much. On June 16th, 1999, Rusty found Andrea in a mental health crisis. She was rocking back and forth, chewing her fingers and losing it. So what a normal person would do would be to get that person some professional help, um, but not Rusty. Rusty decided a nice walk on the beach is what the family needed. So he brought the kids and Andrea, not even just Andrea, to walk the beach. Like, Jesus, give her some time away from these kids. You would think that he would see her having this mental breakdown because she's so isolated and just alone with the children all the time. Why wouldn't, I mean, if he's not going to get her professional help, why wouldn't he at least like find a sitter or something and take her to the beach alone, have a nice quiet weekend away? I just, uh, the audacity of him, I mean, you'll, you can tell in this episode that I, I really do feel like Rusty is, um, you know, not to necessarily, I don't want to necessarily blame him because that's not fair, but, uh, I, he has, he plays a role in this. He, and I feel like he needs to take responsibility for his actions. Thought that this would make everything better, but the next day Andrea attempted suicide by overdosing on trazodone. Trazodone is an antidepressant and can also be used to help with sleep. Um, I was on trazodone for a little bit for sleep and, uh, it knocked me out. Um, again, another sign of needing some help. And at this point, Rusty did end up taking her to the hospital for inpatient care, though insurance wouldn't cover her stay for very long. So she was released with a diagnosis of major depressive disorder and was put on Zoloft, which is an SSRI. Um, this really sums up the American healthcare system pretty well, you know, keep you until your insurance won't pay anymore. <laughs> um, I've been in a mental health facility and the one I was in was just as useless as the one Andrea went to. So I'm not surprised they only put her on an SSRI. But after Andrea's short stay at the hospital, she started going to a doctor who decided to do something smart and prescribe her an antipsychotic called Zyprexa. But she would end up not taking these meds because of Warren Necky. He would shame her um, for taking the medications and instill on her head that it was the work of the devil, which was an obvious fear of Andrea's. And she, again, was a fundamental Christian and, um, hearing somebody who was so important to her tell her that, that the meds that she's on are basically work of the devil. I mean, 
Just so frustrating. During this time, though, the doctor did did warn Rusty and Andrea that having more children could cause another episode and that would be dangerous. But no one took this advice seriously, even though Andrea was still having mental breakdowns that caused her to be self-destructive. Reports of her pulling out her hair and picking at her skin until she bled have been said. Andrea was found holding a knife to her throat, stating that the voices in her head were telling her to do so. She was again hospitalized and began taking Haldol, another antipsychotic. At this time, they were taking... At this time, they were still living in that fucking bus. Can you even imagine? Finally, Rusty bought a three-bedroom house in Clear Lake, Texas. With the Haldol, the new house, and the doctor visits, things seemed to be getting a bit better for the family. Andrea was doing better... Her mental health seemed to be a little bit more stable, but they had decided it was time to have another child, even though the doctors warned against it. He referred to Andrea's postpartum psychosis as as like having the flu, that if she started down that road again, that they would just do what they had done before, hospitalization and Medicaid. He was not considering how dangerous this problem really was and did not see what was coming at all. Andrea stopped seeing her doctor in January 2000, and in November 2000, Mary Yates, the last of the Yates children, was born on the 30th. Things seemed well until March 2001 when her father died. This was a huge loss to her, and her depression came back full force. She was not eating or drinking, and almost she was almost canatonic at times. And June 20th, 2001... At nine in the morning, Rusty left for work and Andrea was left alone with the kids, even though the doctor suggested that that would not happen. Soon after he left, Andrea filled up the bathtub and took each child into the bathroom one by one and drowned them. First was John, who was five. After she took his lifeless body to the bedroom that Rusty and her shared and laid him on the bed. Next was three-year-old Paul and then Luke, who was two, and then baby Mary, who was six months old. Noah, the oldest at seven years old, walked into the bathroom and saw Mary floating in the tub, and he asked what was wrong with his sister. Andrea didn't say anything but grabbed for Noah, who tried to flee from his mother but couldn't get away. Andrea drowned Noah after he fought hard for his life. She left him floating in the tub and took Mary to the bedroom with with her brothers. Andrea proceeded with calling 911 and told them to send the police and an ambulance. After hanging up with them, she called Rusty and told him to come home. He asked her how many, and she said all of them. It was as if he did, as if he knew, and honestly, I think he did. I think that he knew that this happened, that she did something to these kids, and... I, I don't know. I don't know how he could. I, I can't imagine how he would feel at that time. But I just. This is so hard. It's so hard. It's so hard to imagine it. When the cops arrived, she told them she killed all five of her children. They arrested her and took her to the police station where she confessed and explained why she did what she did. Her reasoning was, of course, nonsensical. She believed her kids were stumbling and going to hell. She wanted them to be able to go to heaven in their innocent years. 
She said the devil was inside of her, and this was her way of saving her children's souls. The court-appointed psychiatrist said she was the sickest person she had ever witnessed. She was filthy, unwashed, and in a canatonic state. In July 2001, she was indicted on two counts of capital murder. She wanted to plead guilty, but ended up with a plea of not guilty by reason of insanity. The trial didn't begin until February of 2002. The jury had to determine if she knew what was knew right from wrong at the time of the murders. During the trial, Andrea was receiving help. She was back on medication and seeing a psychiatrist, and she was doing a lot of she was doing a lot better under this care. In March of the year, in March of that year, she was found guilty, and the jury rejected the insanity defense. She was sentenced to life with possibility of parole in 40 years. Rusty did end up divorcing Andrea. I mean, and he was pretty supportive of her during this time, but I think he just needed to move on and didn't feel like being married to her anymore, which, I mean, I can understand. I think that that's understandable. That same year in 2005, her attorneys filed an appeal to reverse the capital murder conviction, conviction, and in 2006, she was found not guilty by reason of insanity. And I feel like that was the better choice. I mean, she was, I do believe she was insane. I mean, I believe that, I really do. I believe that she did not know right from wrong at the time. I do believe that she was very, very sick. Um, and she showed signs of this happening of this going to this this situation happening and nothing was done she was put in a state mental hospital andrea is currently in kerrville state hospital where she is getting all the help possible andrea waves her reviews each year and i think she feels safe in the hospital probably the safest she's ever felt or has felt in a very long time. Um, I don't believe she'll ever get out. I don't think she wants to get out. Like I said, I think she probably feels safe in there. Um, considering all the times that she could have gotten help and didn't get the correct help and now she is, I, I don't blame her for not wanting to get out at all. Um, so that is the story of Andrea Yates and the murder of her five children. Uh, it's just such a sad, sad case and something that, you know, I feel like could have been prevented with better education and, um, resources. I feel like <sighs> if they weren't because I don't feel like it was all, like, anybody's fault. You know, like, Andrea was sick. I mean, this was, this was her fault. She killed her children. I'm not, I don't want to come across like I am not sympathetic towards Rusty for losing his five kids. Because I am. 
I can't even imagine losing one of my children, let alone all of my children, and especially by the person you're married to. Um, but I feel like because of their religious beliefs and um, his lack of helpfulness in the marriage, it didn't help the situation. And there were signs of this brewing. And I think that's the hardest part to understand is that this could have been avoided, uh, possibly. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe it was unavoidable. I am, I'm not well versed in postpartum psychosis, but I feel like with medication and consistent, um, psychiatry, I, I feel like something could have been done. Um, these children lost their lives and it's, it's just awful. Um, I think that the Warrenekis are dangerous people. I think anybody who spreads that kind of information is very dangerous. Fundamentalists are typically dangerous people. Uh, we have seen that time and time again with people like Warren Jeffs, you know, fundamentalist LDS person with these Warren Necky people. I mean, we, uh, let's see. Oh, like, um, the Daybells again, fundamentalist, like it's just dangerous it makes me sad that people fall into traps like that. So, but that's it. That is my coverage on Andrea Yates. I hope you guys enjoyed. Sorry, it was such a downer, but this is a true crime podcast. So I guess it would be. Um, but yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed the episode and I will be back on next Monday with another episode. I'm thinking my schedule is going to be every Monday. I don't know what time, <laughs> but whenever this, what time this is, uh, whatever time this is uploaded and published is probably the time I'm going to aim for every Monday. Um, I'm trying to just get in the hang of things and figure this whole thing out. So, but that is it. That's it. I'm going to go. And I hope you guys enjoyed. Thank you so much for listening. Bye.